0: Today we're going to be looking at a pretty obscure story in the Word of God. It's an important story and it's a blessing. I hope it will be a blessing to you, uh, but it's not one that's well known. 2 Samuel chapter 23, we're going to read a couple of verses and then we'll pray. 2 Samuel 23, and starting in verse number 11, the Bible says, And after him was Shema, the son of Agi, the Hererite, Herati- uh, and the Philistines were gathered together into a troop. Where was a piece of ground full of lentils, and the people fret, fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it, and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. Let's pray, Lord. Thank you for this day. Thank you for another opportunity to study your word. Pray you please help it to be a blessing to us, an encouragement to us. And Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This Shema, this one of the mighty men of David, he stands in a place of harvest. The Philistines send in an army, perhaps to take the harvest, perhaps to destroy the harvest, we don't know. But the people that are with Shammah, they all flee away. They all run away and abandon the field. Now, the question is asked, you know, well, what would I do in that situation? What would I do in his shoes? After all, it's just a hill of lentils. It's it's literally a hill of beans. There are other hills with the lentils I can work in. There's uh, other harvests I can be a part of. This harvest isn't worth my life. That's what everyone with Shema decided as they ran away. Now, Shema saw the troops approaching, he saw his countrymen flee, and he made a choice to stand and fight and risk everything for that one hill of lentils. Why? I believe that perhaps Shema had faith. This was Israel's harvest, and Israel had a God that could part seas, send fire from heaven, and deliver entire nations in battle. This may have just been one little piece of harvest, but it was God's harvest. So Shammah decided to defend it even though he stood alone. Now, how can this pertain to us today? What can we learn about this today? Well, Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 36. Matthew 9:36. The Bible says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted, and were scattered abroad, as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Now, there is a harvest that we are called to work in. God, manifest in the flesh, commands us and matthew twenty eight nineteen and twenty go ye therefore into all the nations and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever. I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. We each have our own harvest field. If you're saved today, the Lord didn't save your soul just so you could go to heaven. The Lord didn't save your soul just so you could sit in church. The Lord saved your soul so you could tell other people about him, so you could work those harvest fields of people needing to know about Jesus Christ. We each have our own field. Our jobs, our schools, our grocery store, our hardware store, our hospital, our town. Everyone that enters your life has essentially entered your field of ministry. Every Christian is supposed to be a witness. We're supposed to testify of the grace of God in our lives. And everyone we come in contact with has essentially entered into our field. But we have a problem. There are few people still willing to work in the fields anymore. Most don't care to do it. They don't want to witness. Some will say, well, I'll just live right, and people will see that and magically be saved. But few people actually open their mouths to work the harvest. You can't just live it. You have to say the gospel message. You have to proclaim it with your mouth. Sadly, still, even fewer are willing to not just work the field, but to defend it. 1 Peter 5, 8 states, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now, Satan cannot devour me. I am a blood-bought, born-again, sins-forgiven child of God, covered in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and I hope you are too. But the devil can devour the harvest that I am meant to reap. He can go after the souls of the people that I am meant to present the gospel to and try to lead to the Lord. Dr. Charles Keene once said that he was not working his ministry because he loved the people that he was trying to reach. In fact, he did not always love them, but he loved Jesus, and Jesus loves them, and therefore he worked. If we're going to be like shaman, defend the harvest that God has given to us to work in, we must put greater value on the Lord of the harvest than on our own lives. Jesus said in Luke 14, verses 26 and 27, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple now of course we we are talking hatred as a dislike we're talking in the bible sense of this word love less than If, if people don't love the lord more than they love their spouse more than they love their children and and their brother and his sisters and even their own life then they'll never be effective disciples of christ we will never be the witnesses that our god desires us to be until his will is more important than our lives well what's his will First Timothy two, four, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. All means all. Jesus Christ, God the Father, they want all men to be saved. And they've chosen us as vessels for the salvation message to deliver it to the world. So why is this so important? Why do I need to defend my field? Well, if you look back with me again at 2 Samuel chapter 23. And this time, look with me at verse number 11 again. And after him was Shema, the son of Agee the Herorite, and the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where it was a piece of ground full of lentils, and the people fled from the Philistine. What does this have to do with what we're talking about? Well, the importance of our gathering our harvest, the importance of us working and defending our fields is because the enemy wants it the enemy wants our field the enemy wants your neighbor your friend your coworker your your classmate in school the enemy the devil wants to keep them from getting saved wants to keep them from from having opportunity to hear the gospel message of salvation most believers are like the men on that hill of lentils all it takes to send them running is just seeing the enemy approaching you say how can i flee my harvest if my life is the harvest well Your boldness to witness, your courage to speak up for Christ, your awareness of the spiritual warfare around you can all flee away if you're not careful. Satan wants your boss. Satan wants your classmate. He wants your hairdresser. He wants every lost person that God places into your life and into your field. Who is going to stand and fight for that harvest? Who is going to say, enough is enough. I'm not giving any more ground. I'm not running away. Everyone in my life needs to know that Jesus saves and Jesus alone. Now, of course, in verse 12 of 2 Samuel 23, uh, chapter 23, the Lord wrought a great victory. No one gets saved anymore. No one wants to talk about Jesus. They all make fun of me. That's the excuses we so often hear today as of why people do not witness. They just don't think it works. They don't see any results. God cannot give you victory in your field if you aren't working the harvest. If you aren't defending your field, Satan wants your lentils and everyone else has fled. Shema fought and God gave the victory. What will you do? What will I do? Will we stand and fight? Will we stand and harvest the field? Or will we go away? The last thing I want to point out to you today is who Shema was. Comparatively speaking among all the men in the Bible, he was essentially a nobody. He is found only in these two verses. His father, Agi is found only here. His people, the Herarites, are only found two places in Scripture. This man is not from an important family. This man is not with an impressive lineage. This, this is a common man. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse number 26. The Bible says here, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things uh, which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye called in Christ Jesus, who is uh, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. God uses what the world would call nobodies to accomplish incredible victories all the time. Next time you get the feeling that you cannot do something great in your life for God, just remember this man Shema. or how about Shamgar? Um, how many of you now, I know I can't see you through the radio waves, but would you raise your hand? Do you know who Shamgar is? Have you ever heard of Shamgar? Most Christians have not. He was one, he's found, his story is found in Judges 3.31. It's the only verse in the Bible that that he is even in. Let's go ahead and take a look at Judges 3.31 and who is Shamgar. Judges 3.31. The Bible says, And after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, which slew of the Philistines 600 men with an ox goad, And he also delivered Israel. Well, that's pretty interesting to me. That's uh, all we know about this man is that he slew 600 enemies of God with an ox goad, which is not a weapon of war. He was no one special that we know of, but he delivered God's people. And in the process, it reminds us that God uh, can use whatever we have to get the job done. As I said, Noxgo is not a weapon, yet Shamgar used it for God, and God wrought a victory. God can use your prayers, your musical abilities, your personality, your finances, whatever you may have, use it for the Lord. God can take that and do so much more with it than we ever could. I am blessed by stories like this in the Bible that maybe they don't, you know, they're not as big and flashy as David and Goliath, and you know they don't get as much attention as, you know, the gospel message or the virgin birth or anything like that. But but these stories resonate with me because I don't I consider myself a nobody. I, I'm just a small town pastor in a in a western Pennsylvania now and I just Who knows me? You know, I'm not from some great lineage as wonderful as my family is. I'm not nobility. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not edumacated as most some people would say. I, I just, I'm nothing special. And yet God can use me as a tool in his tool belt. God can use me as an arrow in his quiver. He can use me as a sword in his sheath. He can use me as anything he wants to in order to accomplish his will on this earth because of a willing heart. Now, that is what we need to do and consider when when we feel that tug of the Holy Spirit to do something, whether it may be just witnessing to somebody on our job or or bringing up Jesus Christ to someone in conversation so that we can try and open a door to tell them about salvation and how to be saved from sin, Um, whatever it may be. Now, I mentioned before how these stories... They also show you, like with Shamgar especially, that you can use whatever you have to serve God. Shamgar had an ox goat. That's not that's not the ideal weapon to kill 600 enemies with. An ox goat is essentially uh, a long pointy stick that you jab the ox with to get it moving if it doesn't move. And yet he used it and God blessed it. If you were to look at... Uh, at Moses before, before the burning bush situation. Moses is said to have had a rod. You know, he had that staff that he walked with, that walking stick, as most people call it today. And then later on, when he's standing before Pharaoh, that same staff that he had is referred to as the rod of God. It was Moses' stick, and Moses had used it But once Moses was using it for God, it became God's rod. Your voice may be good, it may be bad. But if you use it for God, God will bless it. Your, Your talents may be many, they may be few, but if you use them for God, God will bless it. People like Shamgar and people like Shema show us that there is something worth fighting for. Shamgar fought to defend his people um, and here and Shema in our story in 2 Samuel 23 he fought to defend the the harvest of Israel the hill of lentils And we just need some Christians today to stand up and say, you know what? It is worth fighting for God's will. It is worth fighting for righteousness. I may not have much, but I'm going to take whatever I have, whatever God can use from me, and I'm going to stand up and I'm going to speak up next time somebody makes fun of my God or my beliefs. I'm going to speak up next time I hear an opportunity to interject the gospel message into a conversation. I'm not going to be silent And watch my world and my culture and my nation and my community go to hell without me doing a thing. I'm going to stand up for God. I'm going to be like Shema. I'm going to be like Shamgar. I'm going to fight for the Lord with whatever I can.